It is the Chicagoverse United Audio Podcast, your Chicago scene salvation, featuring interviews with the premier talent and tastemakers in the Chicago music community. My name is Haima Black. I host this podcast every week at DynastyPodcast.com. This week, a year-end look at the Chicago music scene in 2012 with guests Richard Giraldi from Loudloop Press and Alex Fruchter from Ruby Hornet, originally broadcast as a live Google Hangout. Here's how that sounds. I'm a black broadcasting from Dynasty headquarters, and I am joined by Alex Fruchter from Ruby Hornet and Richard Giraldi from Loud Loop Press. Uh, how are you gentlemen doing today? Good. How are you? Good, man. Awesome. So thank you guys so much for joining me. Uh, today we're going to be checking in, getting both of your, you know, esteemed professional opinions on the year in Chicago music this last year, 2012. Uh, this is something I did the last year with you guys and Richard, I think we even did it a year before that. Um, so kind of a tradition, but I like checking in with some other like-minded, you know, music professionals who really have their finger on the of what's happening in the city and getting their take on the years kind of, uh, you know, uh, happenings with Chicago music. Uh, you know, both of you guys really experts when it comes to your fields, you know, Alex, you're, completely embedded in the hip-hop scene. Uh, Richard, you really cover the indie rock scene here in Chicago pretty extensively, so we'll kind of be talking about that and even some of the other stuff, but let's kind of start with uh, just a general thing. You know, what stood out to each of you guys when it comes to the Chicago local music scene in 2012? I guess I could start. Um, What stood out to me as far as the local music scene, I mean, definitely one big thing was just the way that Chicago, I think at least hip-hop-wise, was really uh, verified by national hip hop. I mean, national publications from MTV to all the major uh, sites like a complex to pitch for. I mean, they are based here, but uh, Chicago hip hop kind of became, we started to see local artists uh, popping up on national sites and national places. I think that's the biggest thing that sticks out to me. What I mean, record deals and nothing verifies you as an artist more than a major label record deal. Well, some things, but yeah, well, I'll save that. Yeah. Uh, Richard, what about you? What stood out to you this year? Just overall with the Chicago music scene? Um, I just, I think really for, um, looking back on it, I definitely think the explosion in festivals, there's now there's even more big festivals this year. Um, and it, it never really seems to stop. I think every year we think, Oh, it's going to be, like one of them's have to go or stop and it just keeps exploding. There's always new places for bands to play, uh, festival wise outdoors in the summer. And it's just, it's, um, the market's, I guess, still working for it. So but I think that was one of the big, big uh, stories this year. Like with the addition of Riot Fest is one of the, is the biggest thing probably. Yeah. I mean, those, those are definitely both, uh, big occurrences, kind of like the hip hop boom and the festival explosion. And we're definitely going to, cover those. Uh, Alex, let's kind of start out in your area of expertise. You know, uh, 2012, was this the year of Chicago hip-hop? It was definitely a year and the first big year in in a long time. Um, Like I said, I think that all the stuff that we're doing, a lot of things happening below the surface, really were able to uh, break through, you know, nationally going from just some hip-hop sites and being known within the hip-hop community to being covered by the reader and reg- having a v- not just big artists like um, and, and controversial stuff in newspapers, but little shows, artists from Mickey Hosta to Tree to Shogun Stock, along with the Chief Keeps and everybody 
um, being honored, being recognized first locally and then nationally. Um, there's that, the, the amount of just music that came out. I mean, the, just the amount of, of, of records, the amount of just good feelings. Um, I think Chicago definitely owned the hip hop market in, in, uh, in 2012 and just not even just as far as where the excitement was coming from and the, the excitement around here, the vibe was electric from spring through the summer. Um, and definitely, you know, when MTV came here for four days, that, so that really showed how, how big it had gotten. Yeah, I mean, was that a turning point or what was kind of the moment where you thought like, wow, this is really serious? Because you've been covering this for so long and so extensively. When did it really strike you that this wasn't just something that's being covered internally by the tastemakers in Chicago, but people are really finding out about it nationally? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I've been thinking about this and we, I talked about this yesterday on my radio show, but I, I, I think that MTV coming here was a, was definitely a culminating thing. Um, and just it just really showed the Chicago scene. People were so excited. I mean, I remember the talk that time was just all centered around that. And they went to so many different places and really showed it to it on a national scale. I, I, I think that and another huge turning point was when Kanye um, made his version of Don't Like. I think those were the two biggest things. They happened kind of around the same time, and it was just the perfect storm. Yeah. I want to kind of touch on some of the artists that really had a big year. Uh, let's start with kids these days, who I know are not solely a hip-hop group, but I think that they got categorized under that title for for better or for worse, you know, but they, def they definitely partially live in that, in that uh, kind of world. Definitely. They spent most of the year uh, kind of performing and traveling there. They toured a lot in the early parts through South by Southwest and then work on Trap House Rock. Um, they really spent their time with that. I know they, 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 they talked a lot about working with Jeff, uh, Jeff Tweedy and Mario C from the Beastie Boys. And I think a big moment for them was um, that Conan O'Brien uh, performance from yeah. a national level, and then they, they, they followed that up as they're building their album with um, being in that Adidas commercial. I think those were two really, really big things. And then their album was was very, very good. And also um, they were they were just doing a lot of cool stuff. Nico Segal had his own solo project. Vic Mensa was appearing on appeared on songs throughout the year. And uh, yeah, I think that that was pretty much their year. They they killed it. I think last year at this time we were asking, what are they going to do? Can they follow through the hype? And right. I think they did. I mean, they put out a really great, great project. And again, perform so well. They're, they're making real strides as musicians. Treated Crew. Let's talk about Treated Crew, another group from Chicago that had a really big year. Yeah, this was uh, definitely the year of the crews from Treated Crew to Save Money. Um, yeah. Project Mayhem. The Glory Boys, man, the year of cruise, but Treated Crew kind of is kind of the, the trailblazer. And uh, man, that was just genius. I mean, musically, there's been huge strides with that album that they, that they put out. Plus, uh, Jesus Pieces solo project got really good response and views. Um, Mike Terror released something at the beginning, very beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. And uh, I kind of solo wise, that's kind of, but show, uh, all the, all the other people, the artists, the non-artists, mm -hmm. what happened with the hat, 
Um, the just energy around that hat, the buzz, treat, having treated Tuesdays where they were just Mano was make they were making songs in Mano's kitchen and releasing them. Um, that was incredible. That was a great, I mean, a great year. And then obviously, you know, Mano DJing for Kanye West and Jay Z. Uh, Hollywood Hold has a whole ton of new things in the works that I can't really talk about, but are, are good. They just had a really strong, dominant, defining year. You know, I think that was defining with what they did as a crew. What stood out to me was not just the strength of the music, but the strength of their marketing. I mean, it was like, unlike anything I've seen, you know what it reminded me of is, like, if you go back to, like, 1995, 1996, when every kind of alternative kid in Chicago had a Zero shirt by the Smashing Pumpkins. And this kind of felt like the same thing. Where everybody who was part of that culture either had a treated hat or wanted a treated hat. You know, like, that was very much an identifying um article you know definitely and if you got one it was a it, it means a lot they just made it an artifact almost that original one that that's not for sale and the yeah. new one the new one the way they packaged it was pretty dope they definitely made it an uh, an event another artist and you know richard feel free to jump in here too but another artist that we couldn't talk about chicago hip-hop in 2012 without bringing up uh chief keith Definitely. Yeah, Chief Keith. Um, I, I don't even know what more to say. About him. But uh, he had an, a tremendous year. I mean, he definitely was, a, was part of a, a big catalyst for all the attention that the scene received as a whole. And, uh, you know, did solid. I, I know some people are, are disappointed in him, in uh, what happened with this, his record sales. I think it, I mean, I, I think 50 to 60,000 is whatever it is. It's a success that it came out. And what he was able to do was like nothing we'd seen before. And he just also showed a harsh, some harsh realities that uh, exist here, which people need to see. What, what I find interesting is I think it's probably one of the most polarizing acts to come out of Chicago in recent memory. Like it's either you sort of get it and like it or you don't. There's no sort of middle ground here between Chief Keef. Um, and it's just, it's... The fact that it became sort of associated for like uh, with the or just you know with the violence over the summer or still happening on the south side it's 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 um you know it's it's sort of a weird weird topic to even talk about sometimes sort of it's a pretty heavy deal so uh, but um, it seems like the culture of Chief Keef really kind of overshadows the music of Chief Keef it seems like in at least the music blog conversation mm -hmm. you know yeah. I mean, I don't. I mean, I know personally, I'm not the mute the music. Even I'm not even really a fan of. Um, not that I'm like, saying I'm not. A, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of a lot of hip hop in terms of that. Guys, I saw him perform live at Pitchfork. He had like a little like 15 minute set um, after uh, one of the DJs had played there. I just thought it was just sort of boring and it didn't really. There wasn't much life to it. But that's just me, my personal opinion. But I definitely think that, uh, regardless of my opinion, like that. The, his actions and all this stuff that went on did sort of overshadow the record, which I don't know, may, that may be a good thing. Who knows? No, I I, uh, I have, um, I bought the record just to kind of say I had it and, and just have it as a, another kind of artifact of the year that was. But um, I think Chief Keefe also just speaks to the media in general and, and just what was happening with uh, the digital, digital journalism and hip hop in 2012 and just how fast a lot of, uh, outlets are to cover somebody or or 
and and the ways in which the media can and and should handle stuff. I mean, with with Chief Keef and Rap Genius, with Chief Keef and Pitchfork, there are these questions of like, why are these things even happening? And uh, that was just also it's kind of a it says something about the culture of music journalism, or if you even want to call it that. I don't know the way journalism works, the way music journalism works, and all that. Chief Keef was, you know, is a is a telltale of that. I think it showed people, showed journalists uh, that there had to be a level of responsibility in the right. reporting. You couldn't just take Chief Keefe to a gun range and be like, this is a good idea for an interview. Yeah, yeah. Like, you have to think about these things first. Yeah. Right. And, you know, not just that, there's like that, uh, that video of Chief Keefe um, being too high to explain his lyrics to rap genius and them just them just putting that video out titling it chief keep gets too high to remember lyrics stuff like that which um it, it it's like again you know who's even wrong if an artist wants to smoke that much weed it's their fault if an artist agrees to do an interview on a gun range knowing they're on probation that's their fault it really calls into question you know whose job is it to police and i'm glad to see that at some points in this whole thing, there were people that spoke out and said, like, man, there is a, some kind of standard that we have to hold. There is some kind of common sense that should be used. And, and, and the way that Chief Keefe and a lot of other artists are dealt with, you know, definitely deserves examination. Moving towards more of the record side of things, more the recorded output, you know. And again, I'm interested in both of your takes on this, but let's just look at, like, the Treaty Crew record, the Kids These Days records, for example. Okay. Both of those had a really nice long lead-in in terms of hype and promotion. I mean, the Kids These Days record we've been talking about for, I feel like, like two years in the city, you know. Yeah. And then those records get released, you know, and it's something I feel like, like, does the hype just totally die a quick and sudden death once one of these records comes out? You know, does the excitement kind of peak once you have the product and then it's almost the end of that cycle. I mean, do you guys, do you yeah. see what I'm talking or do you get that sense? Yeah, definitely. That's something that I've been saying for a while. You know, now it seems like the album coming out is kind of the end of the road, uh, the end of the cycle. So the cycle starts with like a mixtape and an announcement that an album coming out or maybe just releasing a song, 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 going out, playing the record, playing the records, all that. And then it comes out and it's kind of like, boom. And then it, it's kind of, that's how it is. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's more of like a culminating thing nowadays rather than a, a launching pad as it used to be. And I just think that goes into the ways we get the music, how it's delivered, people's access and how promo works. Yeah. yeah. I mean, coming from like the, like just from the other, like from the indie rock sort of side, of it, I don't think there was very... I don't think there was really a, like a hyped record this year. Uh, I think it was sort of a quiet year in terms of breakout artists for uh, for Chicago. Um, there wasn't like, you know, last couple of years we've had like, you know, Smith Westerns or something like that. It's like someone yeah. just sort of took it to the next sort of level. Um, there wasn't really one of those this year. Uh, and aside from the usual, there were like bands that are sort of on that cusp of be, being bigger, like being like uh, uh, Disappears. They had a album earlier this year called pre-language um right. outer minds were sort of maybe could be on that cusp they they put out two this year um the one were really the extra sort of i think sort of uh one record that sort of made some waves a little bit was this band called the orwells they're right some, they're sort of young kids or like sort of 19 years old um 
and uh, I think they came out of Elhurst specifically. But uh, but they're actually they're they have definitely probably one of the more buzzier artists this year. But even that compared to like Smith Westerns or something like that, um, there wasn't a lot of buzz this year for, of, in terms of acts coming out of the scene. I thought in the rock scene in Chicago. Yeah, well, you know, something that um, I think we can all speak to, even though it's not specifically one of our specific specialties, is like looking at the EDM scene. And, you know, Richard, kind of what you're talking about, um, the rock scene. And we'll, we'll come back to this, but it seems like the rock scene kind of took a back seat to the blossoming hip-hop scene and the EDM scene. Like, how mm. did you guys view kind of the EDM explosion in 2000? in Chicago it just sort of happened so quickly almost it's hard to even like take a minute to see because like one minute it's just you know it's just that and like seriously this summer there was what like maybe four festivals or something like specifically towards EDM like different weird festivals like on the beach like like festivals on the uh, on the beach and stuff that I've never even heard about until like they popped up the weekend of or whatever so it's just uh, I just thought it was like I don't know. It's just, it's, it just seemed like a big sort of um, like it went into full effect. It sort of just landed there so fast. You barely have time to even breathe. And it's like, well, I guess it's here now. It's, it's going to be that way. But I don't know. I don't know if it's actually going to you know sustain, have sustainability over you know people actually doing that, like those huge festivals in weird places and so forth. It's going to have any sustainability. Yeah, I'm not too heavy into it. Um... But yeah, I, I have uh, seen some of the debate of like, is this going to be sustaining or a real fad? Some of the DJs will fail at like doing real big stuff and then others succeed. But yeah, I mean, I think it's cool. I think it's cool. It's just, I just think 2012 was a really good year in general for music thriving that I've seen. I mean, I was just looking back through the site at all the stuff we we posted over the, the last 12 months and there's some incredible things that, that came out. Yeah, I mean, I I think I, um, I guess one thing I want to mention though, I think one one of the scenes is actually sort of blossoming in Chicago. I think it's although it's it's a, it's very niche, but the uh, there's actually a lot of inter interesting stuff happening in the Chicago uh, metal community. Actually, bands like uh, Bloodiest and, and, and Indian and uh, and just some really cool uh, some metal actually coming out. That's probably that's actually one of one of the most interesting genres coming out of Chicago right now. It's just metal. It's pretty cool. And I think that that is kind of where the underground is right now because it's mm -hmm. not at the forefront. It's not plastered all over Twitter, but it's definitely happening in the clubs. It's more behind the scenes, not happening in social media. Mm -hmm. Which it's almost easy sometimes to forget there, that there's music happening outside of social media because I think we get so inundated with what's in front of us on Facebook and on Twitter and on blogs that it can be easy to overlook that there's like a whole movement, there's whole bands that aren't maybe living on social media, but they're still building a scene and a community, you know? Yeah, that's why I think it was such a big loss for the, you know, underground music community when they, when like those uh, venues like Mortville and uh, uh, Casa Donde, Treasure Town got shut down this summer. I know that was a, a lot of people were really disappointed by that. It was just, it was a big loss for the underground community. Um, but I think, you know, I think, you know, one place gets shut down. I think people will find somewhere to play music. So I think it's sort of it's sort of picking back, picking back up again. But it did take time, and that was a big loss for the underground underground music in Chicago. Well, you know, looking at the festival scene, um, and again, like touching on the EDM kind of world, it's like in the last year we had Spring Awakening in North Coast. We had 
uh, Wavefront on the beach. We had the Perry stage at Lala. And those were all, you know, dance or EDM or DJ-centric events. And now we've got Electric Daisy Carnival coming to Chicago <laughs> next, uh, next year. And that's like five EDM festivals. You know, Perry stage, if you want to count that as kind of a separate entity. But that's like five EDM festivals in like six or seven months. You know, plus all the events at the mid and the Congress. It's like, I don't know, like, does it water things down? Do we need five festivals like that? Or, you know, is that just where, what the youth culture wants? You know, the people who have money to spend on tickets. I, I personally just see it as, I mean, it's, I mean, I, 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 I think, you know, these EDM festivals, they pull, so, I mean, that's, people into it that much is just, it's such mm-hmm. just a, another niche of music who dig it. You know, I mean, I personally wouldn't go to five EDM concerts, but, um, you know, people do and they, you know, have a good time. It's safe, you know, it's a safe environment. That's the thing that worries me about festivals like that. You always hear of, like, people, you know, dying or overdosing or, you know, something like that happening. And I think that's one, I think that's sort of the one issue I, uh, with EDM that probably needs to be worked out. First with festivals like that, because someone's always getting dehydrated or passing out. Not that they don't have, not that they don't have a little blues or pitchfork either, but to the fact that, you know, multiple people, like, even one, two people, like, die. That's sort of a, a bad deal. Yeah, um, it's like way too, it's too, too many. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that's one issue. But, I mean, you know, I think, you know, those those festivals will be for those people, but there will always be the little blues and pitchfork, and they'll always sort of reign sort of supreme over all the other little festivals coming on. You know, uh, Richard, somebody who I wanted to check in with you about who I think was very prominent on the Chicago rock scene this year. It's like 2012 was a really good year for Scott Lucas, who had, mm. you know, two really quality full lengths from both of his bands, uh, Scott Lucas and the Married Men. Local and you know, uh, do you think when all is said and done, Scott Lucas is going to, like, stand as some kind of elder statesman of Chicago's rock scene, the way that maybe, like, a Smoking Popes or Naked Rose <laughs> now? I think he's already almost pretty much to that level. I'd be shocked if he wasn't on this, because he's just... He's just sort of had this such such just long term career, um, pretty long term for like someone in, you know who plays music of his caliber, um, and he's sort of done it without sort of he's gotten to that higher level, but then he sort of backed off a bit, and he can always sort of now he's sort of found this sort of even keel level of like of, of fame, and you know he can do music you know make, make a living off it, but he also can sell out the metro or local age whenever he wants. It's this really cool, sort of cool way he has it, and I think he's he is that he is the elder statesman of Chicago rock and roll, and uh, you know, and to still be actually making quality music, um, at you know where he is now, uh, on a consistent basis almost, what it seems like it's pretty uh, it's pretty impressive. So, yeah, you know, I mean, it, he's so prolific, but it never seems like it's forced, and the output never seems yeah. lacking. Yeah, exactly. Being as how each of you guys are experts in your, you know, specific areas that you cover, your scenes, your genres, like, where do you see the Chicago local music climate and culture and everything going in 2013? Or, you know, where would you like it to go? You, you can feel that one first. I have to think about that for a second. <laughs> I think that uh, the culture is continuing to move towards a lot of collaborations, a lot of really solid um, live shows. I think there's a lot more development with just the continued evolution of, of all these different, I don't know how to say it, but these different parts of, of releasing music in, in 2012 from the blog, recording studio, live venue, 
um, store or boutique, et cetera. I think all those relationships are continuing to be enhanced and people are really working together, working together well. That's where I see the culture going. And then I, I also think maybe that some of what's happened will give Chicago more infrastructure or breathing room, you know, if some of these record deals that were earned in 2012 can be, you know, fully utilized in 2013. Yeah, um, I, I'm just excited to see really overall, it's just like the creativity that, you know, it's, it's going to happen in 2013 music. Because I know, like, you know, I talk about, I just earlier, I just like mentioned off the cuff some bands that are, uh, like local bands are sort of on the ver verge, on the cusp of, you know, could be, be, you know, make that like level to like, you know, consistently touring and play festivals at big circuit. So I'm really excited to see like their next move. Um, all these young bands in Chicago that have a lot of promise that I'm sort of, you know, I'm hoping that they can make it or whatever. Um, and that's something that's the most exciting. You know, I, I, I could totally, totally say, like, you know, uh, you know, the old blues lineup or whatever, but like, you know, that's always that, you know, I'm really excited to see just like, uh, what, what some what some of these Chicago acts can do in their future and see if they can, you know, make that next step. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what I'm most excited about is I'm hoping that some of these acts that have had this buzz, that have had this really strong start, can sustain it. Because I don't want to say it's easy, but it seems like it's commonplace for a band or an artist or whoever to have a good cycle, to get buzz going for a record. It seems to be harder to sustain that and build it into, like, having a longevity in this day and age. Like what we were talking about with Scott Lucas, who's been doing this, what, like 20-odd years now, probably? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? So I would like to see Smith Westerns, you know, have three more successful records. I'd like to see Treated Crew to continue what they're doing. I'd like to see kids these days have, like, five quality studio albums in, like, 15 years. or You know what I mean? Like, be able to carry this momentum and not have it be a one-off. I think that that's something our city needs is for these things to not just be hyped for one cycle, but to be like, you know, sustainable, yeah. and, you know, create that longevity. Yeah. To totally. Especially since, you know, it's just, it's the fact that right now, the thing that we're sort of getting known for is like chief Keith and which, you know, associate with the violence and stuff. And I, it's, it's sad, you know, I think like, um, Jessica Hoffman, the Tribune, when she wrote about chief Keith, she said like, he's sort of the role model that she kind of like deserves and you know when you sort of think about that it's it's that's i don't think that's exactly the best role model we should be having right now or whatever so it's it'd be nice to, to another actually uh, could emerge in here and have a little bit more association with positivity and so forth when i think of kind of what you're talking about i think of rocky fresh and alex you know i'd love to get your thoughts but rocky to me seems like somebody who has a lot of positivity in his movement and his music and who really just keeps building and building and building you know yeah definitely rocky's uh, been been working hard the last few years and and definitely they had uh, they came in with a plan and are executing and now man being with rick ross he might have i mean he's really you know being put on given access to resources and uh we'll see he's got that new album coming out in uh on the 21st yeah i can't wait to hear that and he he basically has like a new full-length mixtape about every year around this time, give or take. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, he's moving right along. Um, well, kind of like wrapping up, um, unless there's anything that you guys feel like we missed that we uh, should really cover or want to get into. But, you know, wrapping up, I just love to get kind of going out on a positive note, your favorite local music memory from 2012 for each of you. 
Um, I just think as an overall, I really, I really did enjoy uh, Riot Fest. And I, I know it talked um, like the beginning of over saturation of festivals, but it wasn't. You know, Riot Fest was definitely one of the bigger new festivals to show up this year. Um, but at the same time, it was done. It was it was really well put together, and I think that makes a difference. You know, like you know, because we see all these little festivals, Indian festivals, which I don't really attend. But in terms of um, Chicago, basically got a third. I guess you could call it almost a fourth or third, depending on North Coast, um, Wayne right. North Coast. But you know, it's but it sort of put itself on the map as a new des- destination festival in Chicago, which is cool because it's even in like mid September, which is a toy time where you think the festival season is over anyway. But um, it's sort of, I think it put itself on the map. It's really well, well put together for its first time. And I like the whole vibe of it. it was completely different than Pitchfork or Lollapalooza, but it was. Um, you know, it's, it's welcoming though. I, I, didn't, I found the people there were just happy, happy looking for you know, listening to music. They're just have fun listening to music, and it wasn't anything. You know, there's not like any, any some some you know different sort of fields like Lollapalooza has sometimes in terms of just so intense because there's so many people there and such a big amount of big space. So I, I like Drive Fest a lot. I think that was one of my favorite memories. Yeah, that was a really good time. The the Rise Against set there was just like unbelievable. Yeah, they just, they just destroyed there. And I like, yeah, um, uh, uh, it, Iggy popped to close out the last day, was was really great. Sure. And um, and and Gore were awesome. Gore, one of my favorites. <laughs> um, what about you, Alex? Yeah, um, I think my favorite memory is just when M- the MTV uh, coming to Chicago and that party we did at Beauty Bar was just a lot of fun and a a, a great moment. Um, but. I, that's what I think. I mean, I love the summer. The whole the Lollapalooza was was pretty good. Pitchfork was was fun. Um, but yeah, I'd say the digital, the uh, MTV that whole weekend, the energy that was around. Yeah. Well, um, Alex Fruchter from RubyHornet.com and Monday, Club. man, you'll get it. Did I did I not get it, man? Yeah, no, it's okay. You you have the same. Uh, I don't know. It's just true, right? I just don't think you can make the sounds. But uh, one oh, day, man. one day you'll get it. Well, Alex from Ruby Hornet and Closed Sessions um, record label here in Chicago, and excuse me, Richard Giraldi from Loud Loop Press. You guys both do a fantastic job of covering the local scene. I always appreciate when you make time for the podcast. So thanks so much for checking in and sharing your thoughts about the year and local music here with us. Definitely. Thank you for having me. Yep. Awesome. Always man. a pleasure. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, guys. Take care. This has been the Chicago vs. United audio podcast, your Chicago scene salvation. Thanks to Alex Fruchter and Richard Giraldi for being on the show this week. You can follow the Dynasty Podcast Network through all social and digital media channels at DynastyPodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, my name is Jaima Black, Dynasty Descend.